The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. We're going to wait a couple minutes before we have a word of prayer, but you are invited to be seated unless you're going out with Pastor Josh to the uh, donut, I mean the uh, Bible study room over there. They have donuts, but we're having cheeseburgers. You have to buy your own, but we're having them uh, after, after church is over, maybe. Maybe not. What's at the Slough's open house? You having something good? Should I invite everybody to come eat? I'm already planning on spending the whole afternoon there and st storing up for the week, so. All right. Uh, before we dig in uh, to the middle, ah, uh, oh, that's kind of twisted or whatever. Uh, before, we, before we dig into the middle of uh, Matthew chapter 7, I want to just say a couple more things about Father's Day coming up next week. Mother's Day, I decided we need a little variety. We've been having the last couple of years. We'd switch from flowers after that year where I put the flowers in the bucket that had the salt in it and they all died. Uh, we switched from that and we went to chocolate. And then this year I thought, we need something different. I got a lot of gripes that we didn't have chocolate. So, so when we looked at Father's Day, last couple of years we've done the pop for pop. Okay, so we're staying with that. So next week we're having the pop for pop. So there will be bottles of selective... Unique pops in the uh, that that you can get out there, and then also Father's Day. Josh, Josh mentioned we have to do baptismal service. What a great Father's Day, huh? That sounds more exciting than yeah, whatever. Uh, pretty much, pretty much everything. Now, sermon today is not only okay. It, it's weird because the first part of this is like everybody's gonna love it. I mean, it's just every, that's great, man. That's what we come to church for is to hear something like that. I mean, we're gonna talk about the golden rule. Who doesn't love the golden rule? I mean, it's golden. Uh, it's wonderful. And we're going to hit that. And everybody's going to be like, oh, man, that was a feel-good service. And then Jesus is going to go on, and he's going to talk about the narrow gate. And I have to tell you that I think what I'm going to preach on is about as it has the potential for offense more than anything that I will preach. I think you'll see what I mean. So I'll, I'm not saying I'm going to try to be offensive. In fact... One of the reasons I waited to pray, and I wanted to pray right now, is because, because I am preaching on something that I know not everybody is going to be like, oh, yeah, I love to hear that. I wanted to make sure that my spirit, my, I didn't, you know, because of my sarcastic nature or something like that, that I didn't offend. If you're going to be offended, I want you to be offended by the words of Jesus. I'll also say that. So I'm really going to pray and ask you to pray with me that as we look into God's Word, that we get a clear picture from His Holy Spirit as to the truth that He is saying, and that Dan stays out of the way of that, because uh, I don't want you, you know, well, that guy's just abrasive. <laughs> you know, <laughs> some people seem to think that, uh, but I don't want you to be uh, away or turned away from the message because Dan was abrasive or because he communicated in that way. So, Father, as we look at your truth, uh, we need your Spirit. Uh, to guide us. So please, Spirit of God, uh, do that. Teach us. Apply this, um, the truth of your word to each one of our hearts. Uh, help us to see it clearly. And Lord, I do pray for, I don't know how to say this, Lord, a limitation on me uh, that I'd be pushed out of the way that your truth is, is what is the focus here this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. So, um, 
the format that uh, pastors follow today is found in the Sermon on the Mount, where you kind of get to the end and you say, hey, we're going to summarize. Okay, here's the main idea. And then we're going to give you some application or whatever. So we're getting to that place in the Sermon on the Mount. Between this week and next week on Father's Day, we'll look at the whole build your house on the rock thing uh, that is at the end of chapter 7. But uh, for this week, uh, we're looking at, like I said, verses 12 through 23. So let's go ahead and start with verse uh, number 12. And uh, this is the summary. This is Jesus summarizing, hey, this is what kingdom life looks like. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the, and the prophets. Okay, the law, those first five books of the Bible, the prophets, you got uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all the little guys there. You got Jonah and Amos and Obadiah, and there's uh, uh, 17 books there that are the law of the prophets and the Moses five books. He said, you want to put it all together? You want to sum it up? You want to sum up what kingdom life looks like? Here it is. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Okay, again, how can you not love the golden rule? Now, I want to tell you something about the golden rule. It is actually unique to Christianity. Now, some of you might say, uh, because many of you, of course, are scholars in comparative religion. I know we have a very elite. Uh, many of you are taking that class right now where we compare religions, and you might be thinking, wait a minute, Dan, it's not unique to Christianity. Every religion has something like that. Buddha said, don't do to other people what you don't want done to you. And the uh, Hebrew scholars, many of the rabbis would say the same thing. Don't do to other people what you don't want done to you. In fact, some of the different philosophers like the Stoics would say the same thing. Don't do to other people what you don't want done to you. I don't know if you caught it or not, but there's a difference. Every one of those, and you will find this throughout all these other religions, every one of those hits it from, if you will, the negative aspect. They'll say, don't do to other people what you don't want done to you. Jesus said, do to others what you want them to do to you. He takes it very much and turns it into a positive action. As I was reading through some different versions on this, I read a, uh, a uh, paraphrase. I believe this is from the message. I, I don't write down what it was, but a paraphrase of the golden rule that says, ask yourself what you want people to do for you. I love this. Then grab the initiative and do it for them. And I love that idea, that initiative word there, because that is, that is what God's love is all about, is that he is the initiator. If we are going to be God-like, we are going to initiate. God loved us while we are yet sinners. We love God because why? He first loved us. He's the initiator. He, he reaches out in that way. And if we are going to follow the golden rule, we're actually going to somewhat be creative and say, hey, not just sit there and say, I want to avoid doing wrong because I wouldn't want it done to me. We want to stop and think and say, hey, how can I do good? I don't want to ju not just be a bad father. How can I be a good father? I don't want to just be a good, uh, not be a bad worker. How can I be a good worker? How can There's a couple of people around here who wear me out in a very positive way because they just sit, I think, sometimes and think, hey, how can I help somebody else? <laughs> and they call me up with the idea, hey, why don't we do this? And I'm like, I'm taking a nap. Uh, but, but, you know, sometimes, I, I, but I love that. I mean, they just stand out and they, they just initiate and they say, how can we do this? Well, that's what the golden rule is all about. It's not just about saying I want to avoid doing wrong. 
because I wouldn't want other people doing wrong to me. It goes beyond that. It goes way beyond that. And it says, how can I look and say, where can I serve somebody else? How would they want me to serve them? How could I make their life better? How could, you know, what would I appreciate if somebody did to me and take off doing that? This initiation idea, this or this being the initiator idea, is so godlike. I mean, and, and if we're going to follow the example of God, that's what we're going to do. Okay, now we don't think like that. We think, you know, people get what they deserve. They treat me good, I'll treat them good. But everything in the Sermon on the Mount goes the opposite way. And it says, no, wait a minute. I'm talking about you being the one who gets the ball rolling. I'm talking about you being the one who loves first. Okay? Now, wasn't that a nice message? And we can all leave happy. Let's sing, David. Uh, and go home. But where did Jesus go after that? Then he says this. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. Yikes. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So Jesus stops here, and he, and he says, now, we're going to apply this here, I wanna make, and uh, we're going to look at his, what he says here in, in this idea of entering into the narrow gate here in a minute, but he, he, he makes it very plain. There is a wide gate. It's easy. You can get in there. Okay, there is the, the highway. Everybody's out there, and it's kind of easy, and you're having a good time, and a lot of people are finding that. It's a lot easier, but then there's a narrow gate. I want you to enter by the narrow gate. So not only does he call for positive action, but there is a very pivotal decision here that has to be made, and I'd like with that just to explore um, a little bit of the idea and get you to think with me of what is involved as far as a narrow gate is concerned. One of the things that we must remember is that this is commanded. And what I mean by that is it, where Jesus said, enter into the narrow gate, it is in a, the tense that we talked about before, the scriptural tense, the Greek tense, it's imperative. It is a command. Okay, there's nowhere in Scripture where Jesus says, I want you to consider, think about me maybe. I want you to just admire me. I want you to ponder me. He says, follow me. He says, leave your nets. Come after me. Okay, leave your business, uh, Matthew, and come after me. Remember the rich young man that came to Jesus, and he, and he was asking him, uh, you know, about eternal life, and Jesus said, I want you to leave all this behind and follow me. And the guy was like, mm, I don't think so. Uh, and, he, and he's walking away, and remember what Jesus did? He ran after him, and he said, okay, wait a minute. There's a plan B. Let me make that easier for you. Let me give you Christianity 2.0, uh, or, or whatever it is. No, Jesus didn't do that at all. Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't offer a plan B. He said, follow me. Follow me whole, wholeheartedly. And this is very much a command of God. It says, enter into this gate. You know, at the end of a service, you know, we think we have a summary, and then there's a point of kind of invitation, inviting you. Jesus did more than invite. Jesus commanded. He said, enter into the narrow gate. This is the command of the Savior. A second word that I want you to consider about the narrow gate. You know, Jesus' sermons were not just to be praised. They were to be practiced. They were not just to be analyzed. They were to be obeyed. The second thing that I want you to think about is that his command about the narrow gate is very constrictive. Now, a better word there might be restrictive, but it didn't have a C, and I wanted to stay with Cs. Uh, but I, think about that idea of you know, just the pushing together of the crowd to go through the narrow gate, thinking about it being constricted there. Because this is the point that many people are going to have a hard time with. 
Jesus said this. He said, I am the way. Jesus said, I am the gate. I am the door. He never said, I am a door, a way, a gate. He said, I am the one and only way for sinful man to be made right with God. I am the one and only way you must enter in through me. We love uh, John 3.16. We should, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's take John 3.16 and hold it up in the end zone, right? And uh, make sure that everybody reads that. Keep reading those sometime. Read John 3.18. The Bible says in John 3.18 where Jesus went, went on and he explained this. He said, whoever believes in me, listen, whoever believes in me, that person is not condemned. But the one who doesn't believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the only begotten Son of God. Okay, Jesus is very straightforward about that over and over again in Scripture. In the first uh, chapter of John, but all who did this, but, uh, but I'm sorry, but to all who did receive him, who believed on his name, them he gave rights to be called the children of God. You say, aren't we all just children of God? Well, in the sense that we are all part of the human race, we are all formed in God's image in that way. You could say, yes, in a sense we're all. But as far as being born into eternal life, the Bible doesn't say that just everybody's part of God's family. What it says is those who believe in him. So that's why I say it is restrictive. You understand why that is uh, not a popular message with many today for Jesus to say that I am the one and I am the only way. In the book of Second um, Kings chapter 5, there's a rich man, or a, a prominent man by the name of Naaman. He is rich, but he is also uh, very well-known, has a great reputation. But he gets leprosy, and uh, he's desperate. I mean, what good does everything they have do for him if he has leprosy? He's desperate for solutions, so he looks everywhere, and finally he decides he can go to the prophet. The prophet can heal him, so he, he tries to go to see Elisha. And Elisha doesn't actually even see him. He just says, hey, here's what you need to do. Go down and, and uh, dip in the, in the Jordan River seven times. That's what God told me to tell you. That's how you're going to be healed. And Naaman says, I don't think so. We got cleaner rivers back where I'm from, far, far in Havana. They're much cleaner rivers. I'm not dipping in the stinking Jordan. Uh, that's money. I'm not going to do it the way that you said. And basically, fortunately, there was a servant who talked to him and said, hey, if he'd asked you to do something big, you'd have done it. Uh, all he wants you to do is go dip in the Jordan. And finally, he decided to do that. And the Bible says after he dipped, he came up as clean as you know, like a baby skin clean from his leprosy. But what I'm saying here is God had a way that he said, this is how I will heal you. This is how I will clean you up. This is how you'll know forgiveness. And that is the gospel. That is the only way. Jesus didn't give multiple options that there are many different paths to God. There is God's way. If you think about this idea of being constrictive here or the, this idea of narrowing down, I want you to remember when you went whitewater rafting. Anybody gone whitewater rafting? I have a lot of stories. I don't have time for them today. Most of them involve me falling out. One of them involves my wife shoving somebody else out of the boat. That's pretty funny. So, uh, but we'll get to that someday. She was so desperate to make sure she didn't fall out. She dove into the middle and knocked somebody else out. It was great. Uh, but... But I didn't ask permission to tell that story. So never mind. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, I just made that up. But, uh, I, you know, I, in whitewater rafting, some of you might remember, you know, usually you get there and, you know, maybe it's a two-hour trip or whatever like that, and they put you in, and the river's nice and wide. 
and, you know, it's flowing down there sometimes, usually in an area where you can stand, you know, get out, and you're going down on the raft, and it's peaceful, you know. For excitement, the guy says, hey, let's go over by the other boat, and you have a little splash battle, you know, that's fun because it's, it's just calm. It's just easy going down there. But then you get to the place where the path narrows, and what happens when it narrows? That's where the fun begins, right? Uh, that's where it gets exciting. Now, that's where it gets more dangerous. As it gets more intense. That's where it gets more powerful. There's so many things about that. But that's what Jesus is saying is, hey, we're going to put. There, it's, it's not that easy cruise down the river thing. Uh, there's some tough parts to it, okay? The road is hard going through there. In fact, let's bring, to, bring up the third C there. It can be very costly, if you will, following Jesus' way. You ever see the stupid animal videos where the dog has the giant stick that it went to catch, and it tries to bring it on the porch, and it keeps running, you know what I mean? It can't get through because the thing's too narrow. Come on, you've seen that dog's running in and it smacks into it over and over again. And it's pretty funny, but uh, it has to drop some of its load in order to get through a narrow opening. And many times, that's exactly where we are. There's something that God calls us that we're going to leave behind. The biggest thing is often our own righteousness, our own works, and everything like that. God says, you're going to have to put that aside and humbly come to me. Humbly come to uh, my way of belief in the Savior, in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We are following a crucified Savior. We cannot expect our life to be all the rainbows and butterflies. We can expect that it is going to be hard at some point. Now, just as we think about this for a few minutes, there was a book out, I don't know, probably 20 years ago now, entitled uh, The Jesus I Never Knew. Some of you might have read it as Philip, Philip Yancey. I'm not really going to cite a whole lot about the book right now, but just that title, The Jesus I Never Knew. A lot of people have some wrong concepts about Jesus. One of them is this. Many people visualize Jesus like this. Okay. <laughs> You've disappointed me again. Uh, you really have. You're just, you just disappointed me over and over and over again. I'm so disgusted with you. The better or the correct view of Jesus is like this. He says, see, see this right here? Yes, you, you've done wrong, but I paid the price for that. See that nail hole right there? Uh, my arms are open. So they have that wrong view of Jesus that they go with. But another one that they have is also they miss the, G, the Jesus that said, I am the way. Oh, no, Jesus just says it's open for anybody. No, Jesus never says that. Jesus says there is a narrow gate, okay? You're not going in through the wide gate. It might look easier. It might look more, more fun. But what Jesus said is there is a narrow gate. Few there be that find it, but that is the way that leads to life. There's a broad path that leads you in the opposite direction. But the only way that leads to life is through the narrow gate, which I am, I am that gate. I am that door. I am that way. I lay down my life so that you can know forgiveness of sin. And if you believe in me, then you become a part of the family of God. If you uh, understand, you know, what Jesus said very clearly is you must be born again. I was talking uh, actually yesterday to somebody, and they were, said it, it's kind of weird. They said if you're, uh, if you're born twice, you die once. But if you're only born once, you die twice. But what they're saying is the idea is we all have a physical birth and we all have a physical death. That's inevitable. So we got one of each. If you're born again into the kingdom of God through placing your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, he says, I give you eternal life. You're never going to die again. You'll live forever with me. However, if you do not 
then you do know what it means to die again, okay? And, you, you know, understand, um, well, I'll get to something else in a couple minutes here, but I wanted to show you the rest of the passage here in the middle because what Jesus said, uh, he continued to talk, and, and uh, he said, now, it seems like a kind of a little bit of a flip here. It, it's not at all, but he says, okay, so there's this, there's this broad way, okay, that it, people are going after. There's a narrow way. You want to make sure that you go on the narrow way. So you better watch out because there's going to be a lot of false prophets that are going to try to get you on the Broadway, okay? Beware the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but are inwardly, they're ravenous wolves. Think about that picture here for a second. There are those that are trying to devour. You will recognize them by their fruits. We'll come back to that. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So apparently, remember a couple weeks ago we talked about, don't judge. Okay, apparently we're supposed to do a little judging here. And figure out, uh, based on the fruit, these teachers, because some of, your tra- some of them are trying to lead you down the wrong path. So if you're not comfortable saying we're judging them, call yourself a fruit inspector. Okay, I'll be a fruit inspector, then I'll check them out. But, but one way or another, we are to beware of false prophets because there are, the, again, there is a narrow way that Jesus says through me, and there is a broad way. And Jesus wants to make sure that uh, you're careful because there are those. And, it, and it's kind of interesting here. Many times the false teachers, in fact, almost exclusively, the false teachers that are mentioned in Scripture are within the church. What I mean is uh, back in the Old Testament, both Jeremiah and Isaiah, talked about the lies that are told in the house of God. Jesus said there are many who come in my name and and do this. So you have to be very careful. I grew up in a church where I never heard that I needed a Savior, Jesus Christ. I was taught to be good. I was taught things like the golden rule, but I never learned that I had a need that Jesus had met on the cross and I needed to trust in him. Folks, that was leading me down the broad path. Okay, and very, very, very dangerous. Jesus went on. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Uh, there's a picture of somebody who's very sincere. Uh, well, they seem so sincere. They must be right. Lord, Lord, we enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven, on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do this? Didn't we focus on that? Cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. Look at what we did. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me. Listen to that statement. Jesus said, here's what I'm going to say. I never knew you. Okay, We'll come back and talk about that in a couple minutes as we look a little bit more into just this precautionary advice. Again, golden rule, positive action. It, it is not Avoid doing wrong, it is do right, and do right to others. And then he clearly says there's a decision that you have to make because there's a broad way and there's a narrow way. And now he's giving some advice. He says, be very careful because there are those who want to take you down the wrong road. So one of the things that we want to look for is leaders, teachers who are fruitful but not flawless. 
Okay? By their fruit, I mean I need to examine their doctrine and I need to examine their character. But I cannot expect them to be perfect. I was reading in Titus this week uh, and uh, Paul's writing to another pastor and basically he says none of us are perfect. Okay? And I, I don't mean to poop. Oh, we all make mistakes. Here's the, here's the thing though. A believer is somebody who still has sin that wants to cling to them. An unbeliever is somebody who wants to cling to sin. And if you see somebody that uh, is struggling with something, that's a good sign. <laughs> we all struggle as long as you're struggling. Uh, somewhere, uh, I think, the, I don't remember if it was the first song we sang today or the first line a after, the, uh, after the announcements, but it, says, it talks about us wrestling. Well, we do wrestle. <laughs> and that is a good thing because we have an, have an old nature. So a leader is not called to be perfect, but you want to see that they're, you know, going in the right direction. And, it, and if there are some things in their life they are that are wrong, they're battling them, stuff like that. But somebody who is just given over uh, to sin uh, is obviously going to be very dangerous. Now, this whole business of false teachers, when I first looked at it, I thought, I ah, will kind of skim over that a little bit. But it is such a big deal in Scripture that I actually wanted to dig a little bit more. In fact, I want to show you another passage where Paul wrote about it. He said, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you. That picture again. They're going to come after the flock. And from among, oh, wait a minute, among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw you away, after, uh, away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert remembering that for three years I did not cease night and day to admonish every one of you with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And here's what Paul said. He said, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. So I want to just look at this, uh, you know, dig into this a little bit here because he's describing these false teachers you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all these things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, again, I went with the uh, fruitful, not uh, perfect. What did I say? Fruitful, not Flawless, yeah, <laughs> knew it had enough. Uh, so I went with this again here, but the idea of you're looking for leaders that are fortifying, they're building you up, okay? They are investing in you. Again, in reading in Titus this week, I saw where, uh, you know, he was saying, I want to correctly, accurately minister the Word of God and strengthen. And as a pastor, I need to see that as job one is to help build people up in the faith. Now, I picked the word flogging there from the idea, but uh, the idea is I want to undergird your faith. I do not want to overlord. Okay? And I, this jumped out to me as I was reading and studying this this week because there are actually multiple cases um, of pastors who have washed out of the ministry because they're, they're tyrants. And they're over, you know, they're like, my way or the highway. Listen, Jesus can say that, okay? Jesus can say narrow way or broad way, narrow way, that's it. He's Jesus, okay? When pastors or, uh, you know, church leaders get too much into my way or the highway, <laughs> you might want to shop around. Uh, you you might, might want to take a little around there. You know, when it, it's too much like, hey, it, it has to be. You know, there is a tendency, you know, in any position sometimes to 
Yeah, I, walked, I walked into my office. I was around the building somewhere, and there was another group using the building. And when I walked into my office, I walked over to my desk, and there was like two purses and a bunch of other stuff on there. And I looked over into the chairs, and there's a lady sitting over there just reading. And I thought, nobody asked me. Uh, you know, and I kind of did one of these things where I looked at the door, like make sure my name was still on it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that. And then I just thought, eh, excuse me, I picked up my stuff and went somewhere else at work. Uh, but, you know, there was a little bit of a, <laughs> maybe you forgot who's, who's in charge around here. You know, that and sometimes, you know, that spirit kind of creeps in there. Oh, but watch for that because my job is to build up. My job is to help you know the Lord better. My job is to teach the Word of God. My job, you know, is to fortify not to overlord and not to pretend like, you know, I'm all that. In every one of these cases where, it's, you know, they, Jesus said they, these people are saying, didn't we, didn't we, didn't we? Be careful. Oh, be so careful of any ministry where there's just a focus on that person and they're drawing attention to themselves. Watch that. And, and I say that, obviously, put, holding myself accountable. If you're that man, man, Pastor, it's becoming too much about you. Well, then take me out and shoot me. I mean, you know, really, I don't want that at all. It has to be I'm helping you grow closer to him, not know me better. <laughs> Obviously, that doesn't make sense. One other thing that comes into these passages very clearly, you know, Paul talked about the money thing here. A pastor, a leader, uh, a correct teacher is going to be feeding, not fleecing. Okay, if I'm all about getting in your wallet, to be honest with you. Now, you know, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. If I'm going to love you and care for you the right way, I'm going to encourage you to be givers. But hopefully you understand there's a difference between encouraging you to be the giver that God wants you to be and trying to get everything I can out of it. And maybe, maybe this branches into opinion a little bit here. You know, you, you get in a debate about, okay, how much should pastors make? Uh, the Bible does say that, uh, you know, those who minister in the Word, uh, they're worthy of honor. They're worthy of double honor. Uh, they should be taken care of well. I think that pastors shouldn't be so worried about, you know, making their mortgage payment that they can't uh, minister well, you know, that they should be cared for. But I hear stories that blow, blow me away. I, I heard a story of one guy that, uh, you know, in order to get him to come to a weekend at your church, you've got to promise him $35,000. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, you know, and, but, but the idea of somebody using the ministry to become wealthy, uh, I, I think is a problem. You say, well, it's like any other business. If they do well, they should. You know, we could probably debate that a little bit as to how much. I have a problem with those in ministry who are, who are just, I don't know how to say it, just rolling in it. You know what I mean? And, and, and it doesn't seem to fit. Okay, because I think we want to be very careful that we're not seeing how much, uh, you know, I can make this work for me. I'm sorry, not a verse where Peter talked about it. He said, and in their greed, they will exploit you. Uh, they will be fleecing you uh, like that. Now, um, I, I mentioned before, I am a buyer, not a shopper. 
you know what I mean? When there's something I want, I go in, just the first one. I, you know, my wife has to stop three more times on the way out and say, did you look at this? Did you look at this? No, and I don't want to. I have what I'm buying. Now, usually I get home and I have the wrong thing. But, but still, I got it. That's an that's that's important thing. And, uh, you know, online it's the same thing. I, I will buy something and, uh, you know, I, or I'll, I'll pick out something. And did you read the reviews? <laughs> no, I didn't read the reviews. Uh, she loves it. Look, listen to what this person said. Uh, and she likes to shop and, and, and check around and look into detail. There are many people who are religion shopping and kind of comparing. I think that churches are full of people today who are considering Jesus, if you want to put it like that. In other words, I, I kind of like this. I like to think about this. You know, yeah, maybe this is the way we want to go. And I just want to say with the authority that I believe I have from this scripture is that doesn't cut it. Jesus says, enter in. If I try to dumb down Christianity, or if I try to soften Christianity to make sure that I don't drive anybody away, I believe that I fit into the category of false teacher. I, I really don't. I mean, I think if I'm like, well, I don't want to drive them away. You know, they've been coming for a while. I want to make sure they still keep coming. So I don't say things like, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except he places his faith and trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of his sin. He cannot see the kingdom. You don't really want to say that today. Stick to the golden rule. Okay, people like that. Yeah, right. Right. And if, if I, again, if I'm dumbing it down, okay, or that's probably not the right word. I'm softening it. I'm trying to give you, watering it down. Yeah, I'm getting a, a, a version of Christianity that is more palatable. I believe that I fall into that category of that somebody that is a false teacher. And I don't want to do that more than anything. I mean, I mean, think about that. Think about, okay, what if you came here for years and I never had the guts? <laughs> I, I, I was afraid I'd, I'd drive you away. So I never said, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Jesus died for your sins. You need a Savior. You need forgiveness. I never said that. I never said, you remember what Jesus said in that phrase? He said, he's going to say to some, depart from me. I never knew you. What if I never said, you need to have a, rela a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, or he's going to say, I never knew you. Okay? You're not going to throw up there, yeah, but I went to church. Uh, uh, yeah, but I knew Pastor Dan. Uh, that doesn't get you anywhere, I guarantee you. Uh, but, uh, but Jesus said there will be some. He says, I never knew you. They never had a relationship with me. Listen, folks, the Bible is very plain about this. That relationship is about faith in him for forgiveness of my sin. He paid the price on the cross. God didn't send his son to die a horrible death to be to become sin, to provide a way for man to be redeemed. That's a possibility then. Or, or you can go this right over here. You can give enough money or you can, yeah, sit yoga style and chant 
Deo all day, uh, and that'll get you there. God didn't do, do all that to provide a possibility. God said, I, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And I, I need to wrap up because this is something that has been a burden very much on my heart. And, and it, it, sometimes when I get like that, I want to keep repeating myself over and over again. Did you get it? Did you, did you, you know, I kind of get like that. Because in conversations with some, sometimes I'm a little fearful for you all. That for some people, it's, yeah, I kind of like hanging around the whole Jesus crowd and everything. I, you know, I, I kind of like that. But Jesus said, there's going to be some that he says, I never knew you. Okay. But, but didn't we do this in your name? Didn't I go to church? Didn't I do all this? But wait a minute. Did you ever, did you ever come to me for forgiveness of sin? Did you ever trust in my finished work on the cross and that alone? Or are you still just kind of weighing the options there? And I, as, I, as I was preparing this this week, I thought, don't wimp out, Dan. Whatever you do, this is what I said. I said there is a narrow gate. You got to get in that one. You got to get in that one. And we enter that through placing our personal faith in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of my sins as Savior. We're going to close uh, with a song. Guys, if you, you want to start making your way up here. I'm sorry, I'm trying to decide. Let's go ahead and go with that last song where we sing praise the Father, praise the Son, and, and we'll, we'll close out with praising Him. I'm sorry. I'm struggling a little bit with uh, exactly what would be the best format to follow as, as far as closing here. I want to give you the opportunity even this day to really come to terms with, hey, there are two roads. Which one am I on? And to make a decision to say, I'm following Jesus. I'm getting on that, that narrow one. Um, we're going to sing maybe during that time just in your heart. You, you bow your, your head, you bow your heart, and you say, dear God, I know I need a Savior. I know I do not have that personal relationship with you. The words of Jesus, you must be born again. That's talking about having that spiritual life through faith in him. And maybe today is the day that even while we're singing, you bow your head and you pray that prayer. If that's something, I don't know that I'm ready to do that, but you want to talk to somebody more about it, I, I will be more than happy uh, to talk to you about it afterwards. Or if I can, introduce you to somebody who, who can. Because, yeah, <laughs> yeah, serious. Can't get any more serious. We're talking about eternity here. Uh, we're going to stand and uh, join the worship team in singing. Father, I can't close the service the way that your spirit can. I yield to him and ask that he do that, his work in our hearts. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.